You're tuning into the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. As a best-selling author, certified life coach, and speaker, I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and transform you from the inside out. From time to time, you may hear a solo episode, but for the most part, we will be joined by real-life guests who have overcome adversity, but as they have done the work, today they are thriving. So grab your pen and paper as we get started and learn firsthand tips and tricks to change the trajectory of your lives so we can live a free, fearless, and fabulous life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fearless Fridays with Marianne. I am your host, Marianne Rivera-Dannert, owner and founder of MRD Empowerment Solutions. And today we have an amazing young lady with us. And without further ado, let's bring her on. Hello, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Marianne? Good. Thank you. So tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. So my name is Maria Garcia, and I am the founder of Bid Fix You in Translation. And also I work as a court special advocate for um, CASA of Rochester, New York. Um, and recently also I'm working part time at the Western New York Farmers Coalition. Awesome. Awesome. So can you share a little bit about your personal journey of becoming a teenage mom? And how did you feel when that pregnancy test came back positive? Who? <laughs> um, I don't think I could ever let that one go. Um, you know, I think um, I was 15. So mm. first and foremost, I think for me, it was, I didn't even realize I was pregnant. Like, mm. I think everyone around me knew before I did. Mm. Um, I was still getting on roller coasters at four months. I didn't know, oh, wow. I had no idea. <clears throat> um, you know, here I am, a sophomore in high school, um, trying to be normal, I guess, is what I would say. Um, and it wasn't until we were at my aunt's house in Florida. Um, she she kind of brought it to my mom's attention. She's like, you know, she's pregnant, right? And I feel like my mom had suspicions and she was like, okay. So um, I remember I was in class and all of a sudden I got early dismissal. Like my mom put me out. I thought it was, a, you know, nothing new, nothing crazy. Um, but my dad was in the car and I'm like, aquí hay algo, hold on now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and they drove me to this church, um, old school church in um, Orlando. And nuns were waiting for me. So when I tell you this pregnancy reveal was probably oh, yeah. epic, I mean, it was epic. Um, so here's this, you know, older monja that comes out and she's like, come here, sweetheart, you know, let's talk and whatever. Um, I don't remember what she asked me, but she's like, hey, um, do you have to pee by any chance? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, why? She's like, I'm going to need you to pee in this cup. And you would think I would get the hint, but yeah. I did it. I was kind of mm -hmm. still like boa. Um, sure enough, she dips the stick and goes, she doesn't even come back to me. She goes straight to my mom and dad. Um, and tells them the news. Um, and I think now that I'm older, I get why they did it that way because had it been a medical office, they wouldn't have gotten the information. Mm. Um, so it was a very quiet ride home. Yeah. Um, I was in shock. I was in panic. I was confused. Um, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? You know, being a teenage mom, you were still in school, the relationship with your parents. Wow. Um, 
Well, mommy and papi were not happy. I mean, clearly. Right. Um, but I think for the longest, since I was my dad's first girl, I was always like, you know, I was never in trouble. So my dad didn't speak to me for almost four or five days. And I think that hurt me more than anything in the world. Mm -hmm. um, there, he didn't even have to say he was ashamed. It was the silence. It was the the, the feeling of like, not, I don't want to say disownment, but like, how dare you? Yeah. Um, but my mom, oh, she never let me live it down. She didn't. She had everything in the book to say, and she said it. She said mm -hmm. what she said, and you know, um, she was quick to be like, and you're going to figure it out. Like, that's your problem. You know, very Latina-ish. Like, we're not going to do this um, kind of conversation. Um, and then even at school, I struggled. You know, of course, it was like the attention grabbing. Oh, my God, it's the pregnant girl. I was still in regular classrooms. I did not go into any special programs in, in Florida. Um However, I think in my last two months, I kind of didn't want to go to school anymore because mm -hmm. I was tired of the, yeah. the looks, the uh, the yeah. background conversations of of everything. Um, and I think it was it was just hard, you know, because we were at that time when I was fifteen. It was the Society of Teen Mom, you know, that show on MTV. Right. So it was like shocking to the world versus like now where it's almost it's, it's decreased significantly, but still it's not as, oh, OK, she's a teen mom, yeah. you know. Um, so I was in the early stages of it. So I think it was a shocker for everybody. How did you maintain your determination to finish school? My professor, uh, well, not my professor, my teacher, Mr. Eason, um, yeah. he's still local here in Rochester. Nice. He him and his teaching assistant um i'll never forget it um i was in a class and um at, so i moved back to rochester after i had alishka um i came up to rochester moved back um i went back to franklin high school here in rochester um so being rcsd um and again because uh teen pregnancy was such a big thing when i was mm -hmm. around there was a daycare in the school okay. so i would walk from my block to franklin put the baby in daycare and go to class um so, you know, trigger warning, um, I was a victim of domestic violence, mm -hmm. you know, with this particular partner. Um, so I had a really, really good relationship with um, the security team. Um, the front desk receptionist had a really great relationship with my mom. And um, so anyways, I went to class um, and this professor, Mr. Eason, he, um, he, class was dismissing. He asked me to stay back and um, Alishka was maybe not even a year old and so he's like so what you gonna do and i was like excuse me and you know here i am mind you 11th grade you know we all think we all had a bag of chips I'm like who are you talking to um and he's like you know you, you know you gotta make it through right and i said what he's like you gotta do this and i said i gotta do like i'm, I'm doing it i'm here yeah. he's like no you're not you need to be here like he kind of checked me right um then he pulled out a piece of paper from his book or his like purse thingy and he handed it to me and it was a 94 and I never forget it. Cause he was like, you're the only one who scored above an 80 on this assignment. He's like, you got to make it. I don't care what, what you need to do. If you got to come here early and see us, if you got to work with us, whatever. So his TA and him really did. They put in that work. Um, I, by my senior year was a half day student. Um, so I graduated third in my class with honors. Nice. Um, I found it within me. 
I think a lot of people want to do it for, for everyone else, but right. I found it within me. I think mm -hmm. it was the fact that he made it seem like you can't be another statistic. You cannot do that to yourself. You you got to always stay one step further. Everybody's mm -hmm. always going to assume you're ready to fail, prove them wrong. That thrive, that, that, that drive, yeah. that drove me. So it definitely sounds like that's that relationship with those two individuals is what kept you going during those times that you felt overwhelmed and maybe even thought about giving up. A hundred percent. I think it was that, um, you know, it, I looked at my baby for comfort because, you know, when, you know, yeah. that time around, I think it was, it was very different for me because, you know, all those people that were friends were not friends. They were gone. It was just me, um, you know, her dad was absolutely not a support. He was he was a dangerous person that, you know, I don't wish him harm, but I don't wish that man well. Um, mm -hmm. And so luckily for me, after she was three, I haven't had to have a conversation with him. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, but I, I think for, you know, a lot of these young mothers that I see or I have I have encountered during that time period, not all of them were as lucky as me to get out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we talk about strength and finding strength i think it's hard enough to be a team mom but to have to be a team mom in a dv situation with right. family that's ashamed with stereotypes already barriers set up for you i mean to find drive right. yeah talk talk a little bit about that because there could be somebody who's listening and maybe not even just a teenage you know mom but maybe even an adult woman right now you know how how did you what was it that kept you going, that drive that you talk about? Oh, man. So I I wonder sometimes if it was my faith because, mm -hmm. you know, God rest her soul. My grandmother was such a beautiful woman. And my mom, you know, they they, they instilled that Catholic faith into me. Um, I was at mass Saturdays at six, like clockwork. Um, I was part of the choir. But I found peace in church. I found peace. I found hope. Um, but I also, um, at that time, I was a member of PRYD. So mm -hmm. I did have some uh, Latino empowerment uh, support. Um, and I think also it was just those conversations with people um, that it was when I was ready. You know, I never understood that. I think it wasn't until my my older years where I was like, when I'm ready to say it's enough, um, because I think we try so hard to get people out of those situations or try to encourage people do better for yourself, do better. But no one understands that until either they've hit rock bottom or they have had enough. Yeah. So um, instead, I, I think that for me, I chose to I chose to admit to myself that I can choose to be the statistic or I can be a survivor and overcome it. And so I got out of the victim mindset and became a survivor. I said, okay, it happened. I'm going to, I'm going to push past it. I think the how I move past it, I'm still kind of trying to identify. Yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, I think I'm so happy right now that there's so many uh, programs that are geared to domestic violence survivors and to teen moms. So I don't think that that's such a, like, dis reference right now in the community, but I do think it's something that sometimes doesn't get talked about. And not to mention the shame from the family. Yeah. That part, um, I think being Latina is already hard enough. Um, and then to also have to include, you know, that 
ay, pero mira esta, or, you know, oh, mira la nena de Mili Juan que salió preñada, like that, those mm -hmm. background conversations, right. um, mm -hmm. they never get, uh, they never get better, um, but if you address it in the moment, like, yeah, esa misma, la que se graduó tercera en su clase y tu hijo se graduó, like, come back, Yeah. It's okay to come back. <laughs> you know, it's okay to have a snap reaction sometimes because you know what? Yeah. Don't forget to mention the good with that bad. Don't right. forget that part. And I think that's the part where we got to encourage more women and men to do that. Don't don't settle in the 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 conversations of the negative without adding the positive to it too. Yeah, I got fired from mm -hmm. my job. Pero now I got a new one and I'm making more. Ike. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Right. Um. So yeah, that piece definitely helped me a lot. That's awesome. So what advice would you give to a woman who's listening that may be going through some difficulties that she may be facing a DV situation who feels that she's alone, especially, especially being someone that you have been there and you have overcome, what advice would you give to her? I think I would tell her or him or they, mm -hmm. um, you know, It seems like you're alone. It does. Yeah. But that's the way that they want you to feel. It's not real. You, There is help. There is someone. Someone. And it's always, it's never the one person you or you think. It's the random stranger. Mm. It's the one person you glance at. It's the one person whose arm in the grocery store you touch. It's the, it's the one person that you never thought noticed you that will always be there to help you. You know, um... And, and it's when you're ready. You know, I know some women are like, I'm ready now. And it's okay not to be ready because I think you're only hurting yourself by attempting one time, two times, three times and not succeeding. You then set yourself up for failure to believe you can't get out. Mm -hmm. So you have to truly be ready. And I mean, not thinking so much like what would I, my life be without this person or what would my life be like if had I made different choices because what ifs will get you stuck. True. It's how will, how will, how, because it's not what, it's how. You will get out. You will make it. You will survive. Um, you will have hard times. The other thing is, is I think that so many people say all the right things. They forget to also mention the difficult things. You will have to go to court. You will have to face your accuser. Yeah. You may have to see him more than once if he's the father of your child. You know, you will have to rebuild relationships that you might have broken with your parents. You yeah. might have to have those reflection conversations in a mirror, um, but you're worthy of that, you know. And I think that some people, the way I picture it is shattered glass was some one time a mirror. It was something beautiful once and it can be put back together. It just takes a lot more time. That's so true. That's so true. How how has your perspective changed in life? Be, being someone that had a child at a long, you know, at a young age, and where are you today in life? I have so much more to prove. Um, I think it doesn't. It's still even right now alarming when I tell people I have an eighteen year old daughter. Um, they kind of look at me, and I'm like, yes, I was young because yeah. I look young, and um, it's always that conversation. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, yes, my 18-year-old's in college, my middle daughter's in, you know, sophomore, and then I have a baby. And my son, who's 17, like, yes, I have older kids. You know, it is what it is. Um, I think that um, where I am now has a lot to do with that, though. Um, I think that when I got into that mindset of survivor, 
of like, okay, how am I going to survive this? What am I going to do to overcome? Um, I remembered something that my therapist once told me, and she said, don't forget to address where you started, because mm -hmm. even when you make it to the top, it'll crumble you. Right. So I did have to take a couple steps back a few times, and I wasn't ashamed to admit it. You know, I have been fired. I, I did have a hard time coping. I had a hard time having conversations with colleagues. I, um, I had a hard time working with men for a little bit, you know? Um, and I think now that I reflect on it, you know, I've seen how much I've grown. Like I had my own program for two and a half years. I was a supervisor. I loved every minute of it. Um, but now I'm on my own journey and I'm okay with it. You know, I said, it's time for me to do me. You know, what am I great at? What do I love to do? Yeah. How can I better support my community? Um, and so today um, I have my bachelor's in Spanish education with a minor in criminal justice administration. I am a certified court appointed advocate, um, certified translator for Spanish to English, English to Spanish. Um, and recently my daughter and I graduated in the same year. So I graduated with my bachelor's and she graduated from high school. Um, it's never too late to go back to school. It's never too late to do you. You know, I think society has put such a big expectation on having to hurry up and do it, but there's no right way to do it. There's no right way to grow up. Um, I had to grow up faster. I right. did. You know, I had no choice but to learn how to pay bills, work, um, you know, juggle everything. So college wasn't right for me at that point, you know, and the other thing is I am kind of grateful I went to college a little later because I knew where I wanted to go. I mm -hmm. think now when you see younger people going into college, they all have these big dreams and I love right. it. You know, I'm all here for yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, and then they change their mind a year later and I'm like, you got to start all over now. You know, your majors, your credits don't apply. Um, so I was glad that I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I fell in love with my culture again. I fell in love with law because I needed to be the voice to many women. I wanted to be that voice right. um, and especially for Latina women. And I think that my my story, my strength and everything is now part of my journey as I as I grow here, because now I'm giving back to where I started, where I felt there wasn't support. That's awesome. So you are married. So you were in, you know, an unhealthy, toxic relationship, you know, with your, you know, with your ex, you know, your daughter's father. How were you able to start trusting yourself, trusting men? And what was that journey like? It was not easy yeah. at all. And I swear any friend that you have that tells you, girl, it's going to be fun. Don't listen. Don't do it. <laughs> it's not true. I love you, but no, 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 no. It's a journey. And no, let me take that back. It's, it's an adventure mm -hmm. because some of it is fun. Let's be real. I think, you know, going to the nightclubs, getting dressed up, feeling your best self. That that's just amazing. Yeah. But then it's the whole having to explain your story. And then they're like, wait, what? I know mm -hmm. this one's like damaged goods like that rejection. Right. That's mm -hmm. a lot for somebody. And then, you know, when you have kids, it's also, is that something that you, you know, I always, when I met my husband, I said, it's a buy one, get two free deal. What's up? That's what <laughs> it is. You get buy one, get two free, you know, and yeah, you got, you know, it's gotta be the same. And with him, it was a buy one, get one. So I was like, okay, so blended family. What, what's, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, 
the conversations um, are a lot different when you talk about your past with new people. Um, some people are very compassionate and empathetic. Others mm -hmm. are just very ignorant. Um, and then, you know, of course, some, like I mentioned, you know, sometimes these friends don't help. I love them to pieces, but they don't help when you're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. um, so I think with him, um, <laughs> funny story, he was a dare. Um, <laughs> so um, I don't do social media, but um, uh, we were at a bar with these two friends. I'm telling you, these friends get you in trouble. Um, and he happened to come up on a on a on a on a facing kind of app like something, and I thought he was fine. I was like, oh, this guy's fine. Um, and I hit him up. I said, they're like, oh, I dare you to hit him up. I did, and he replied. I was like, oh Lord, no, what did I do? <laughs> um, now this is why I say it's, it's like an adventure because you don't know what you're gonna get, you know. But it was it was him being understanding about taking a slow. And understanding my my trauma is real. You're not going to disregard everything I've experienced because you want to forget it or because right. I should forget it. So anyone who dismisses those feelings, red flag. Um, anyone whose family discourages you or, or them from, you know, engaging with you, that's a red flag. But I do think if you address it quickly, it could be done it quickly. But you have to have those conversations. Um. I also am blessed that I didn't make the same mistake twice because the foundation of my marriage is on my faith. Mm. We we go to church together. You know, we we practice the same cultural beliefs. So I think for us, it was so magnetic and it was so much easier to get together where I have dated other men that just. Whew, an adventure. <laughs> Because you never know, you know. Um, but when we talk about, like I said, having those conversations, I think it's, it's being honest with yourself. And you don't have to share everything. You don't. Right. I don't mm -hmm. want anyone to feel like, well, I got to tell them everything. No, absolutely not. Tell them what you feel comfortable telling him, you know, or her. And, um, you know, but talk about it. Make it real, you know, because, right. again, you are making your experiences real. So you're not going to crumble because you're addressing what really happened. Right. You have now survived it. You've overcome it. And now you're ready to move forward. And you're telling that person that. And if, if you see that they're just uncomfortable, that's, that's it. Go away. You're not it. You're not the one. Um, you know, so and, and again, marriage isn't for everybody. I get it. Um, but this one, I couldn't let them go. Nice. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So how did you balance the responsibilities of being a mother, being a wife and, you know, being a career woman and also going back to school? I didn't. <laughs> Hold on. If I make it look effortless now, I need to write my own book then because right here. Um, yeah, no. Um, I think that the real answer, and again, I'll give you the professional and the real. Now go, go with the real, go, go with, with the real. The real. The real is sometimes you're not going to be a hundred in every department, you know? Um, and it does put a strain on certain things. Yeah. You know, I was definitely not a hundred in, you know, my marriage sometimes and I wasn't a hundred in my mom skills and I was a hundred in my career or a hundred at school, but 50 here, 75 there. Um, I was split so many different ways. Um, but I had a supportive partner who wanted me to get to where I am. Yeah. You know, I, I was blessed to have children who 
no, they they are needy, but they weren't as needy. Um, they were pretty self-sufficient at that time. Um, I mean, I know that Mia has her disabilities and, you know, I do have a daughter with autism, um, but I don't see that as a barrier. I think that sometimes we get stuck on making things a barrier instead of seeing them as an opportunity. So, you know, um, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't shocked with all this information kept coming at me. And I'm like in the middle of my, you know, second year in college, I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, um, it, it was all happening so quickly. But um, I think one of the things I learned to do, and again, this is a survivor skill, it was to stop seeing thing, everything as a crisis and see it as an opportunity. So. Um, with Mia, I was able to learn more about autism awareness, disability awareness, um, accessibility awareness. And um, I even got into an educational portion, which is where my major shifted from Spanish to Spanish education. Um, I wanted to implement more services because my daughters are bilingual. Right. And that was such a fight with RCSD. Oh, my mm. God, it was a nightmare. Um but because I was lucky enough to know and to, to have that knowledge, I was able to advocate for her and right. strong. And then I took that to work. So I embraced these opportunities to the point where I took them. I said, well, wait, if I could do this for my daughter, I could do this for somebody else. Other people, you know, right. who's next? Who's next? I, I always yeah. have this like, in the <laughs> okay, who wants some now? Because I'm feeling myself. Um, so I thought that was great. And um, again, you know, like I said, um, as for my husband, Mike, I think <laughs> he has the patience of a saint because I know my, I be, I would be here at one, two in the morning in this office crying. <laughs> I got a 10 page paper. I don't want to do it. There was never enough rebel or cafe in the world that could keep me up. Um, I also have to thank my mom and dad. Let me be real. Um, I, I am blessed that after everything, I repaired my relationship and mommy and Bobby have, have been there. I like I rely on them and yeah. they they support me. They supported my husband because my husband is on the road quite a bit. Um, so my mom and dad have a lot to contribute in that. So I don't want to not not give them credit because yeah. they were there. They were supportive. They they helped me real strong. Yeah. So, again, I prepared bridges and I said, all right, I need help. So yeah. that's another tip. Ask for help, please. And that is so hard sometimes. Yes, I think. But again, <clears throat> that has to go back to our latina rules where it's a shame thing it's it's that whole um feeling shame because i guess we were always taught to figure it out or be right. independent or no le pregunte no le diga a nadie kind of conversation mm -hmm. instead of encouraging and like oh you need help baby i don't know but hold on let me find somebody who does right. you know which i'm grateful i did i did fix that in this generation with my kids but nonetheless they're still needy yeah. <laughs> they still, they so um, so um, I do I do feel like that's a conversation that we really need to have with with women and men of our culture is number one, men have to be a little bit more understanding when a woman is asking for help. You know, I do think that the Latino culture of machismo has definitely tainted how we ask for help. Hmm. Um, and then also just the just the stereotypes and the negative impact that it has had when women ask for help you know like oh here she go asking for right. stuff. like come on you don't have to do that um but nonetheless i think oh like my, my favorite model and you heard me say it in class is a person who doesn't make noise don't get heard so yeah. ring that bell shake that do what you gotta do bring it 
Right. <laughs> so, so speaking of class, when we met, it was at the Latino Leadership Development Program. Mm -hmm. So what was your biggest takeaway from that program? Why was it only six classes? Like, <laughs> we got to talk about that because I had never felt so empowered mm. in a room. Um, I That experience is unique. I... I really am so, I don't want to say I'm mad that I didn't do it sooner because I love this class. I would never have done it another way. Um, but I think this is something that needs to be worldwide, like universal. Like this, this right here can change so many people's ways. Um, you know, I thought Rochester was small. Um, <laughs> this room made it big. I'm like, oh. You from where? Oh, you from there? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the representation of Latinos, different backgrounds, different job titles, different statues. Like, I just couldn't believe it. It was such um, a unique blend, but the experience, the, I mean, everyone who came and taught us, I took away something from everybody. Um, of course, some stood out more than others. It's just a personality thing, right. you know, whatnot, whatever. Um, but, you know, I was more shocked at what I didn't know that was right here in my front door. That is so I was, true. I, was, I wasn't I was angry, but I was, like, frustrated. Like, wait, this has been here? Correct. How did I not know about this? Right. You know? Yeah. And um, how many Latinos were pivotal into the history of Rochester? That part. <laughs> I was. I was like, pero mira acá. Yeah. So, what? There's a book on Latino history and what? Yeah. Like, you know, and it's things like that, that, you know, mind you, I'm a Spanish major yeah. and I had no clue that here in Rochester, we have these big things, you know, yeah. from the movements to Ibero to PRYD to all this. I mean, it was like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I think that it was, it was, it was needed for, for um, our class to know this. Cause again, we, some of us are big leaders, you know, right. and others are inspiring ones. So, for us to be able to be in a room together and to um, sit together and be together and express all these um, unique things, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Right. You know? Um, and now we can't get off our group chat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely became family, which is that beautiful. Part. Yeah, it was beautiful. So what does leadership mean to you? I think for me, um, it means a lot of things. So um, if there's one thing I learned, it's, it's that sometimes being a leader doesn't mean that you have to lead. Mm. It means that you are teaching others to lead. You know, um, I have never been one to pull rank. Like, I don't like the whole I'm your boss kind of right. thing. Even though I mm. seem like that, I'm really not. I'm more like, you got this. <laughs> you how would you fix it? You know, I kind of want that that driving them to fix it. Um you know, I'm sure that I have, and I, you know, I, I've resonated with some people where they're like, oh my God, I learned that from you. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, there's a reason I wanted you to learn it because there's going to come a time there is no Maria. So what you going to do? You know, Maria cannot be a phone book. She has to move on. Like, um, or my, as mommy would say, Tú no vas a piedra. and I'm going to be like, yeah, I know, right? Um, but to be a leader, it just means that, you know, you have a big responsibility. I think that we, you know, we put leadership in a way where you're a boss, you're responsible for this, but right. not the part where 
you know, you're responsible for making sure you create new ones. Not just that you maintain your status, but you elevate others around you. Um, And I think that's one big takeaway from the Latino leadership thing where they strive to teach that to us, where if you come up, you bring someone else up with you. Um, So that's why I said, you know, you sure you want to do this with this group? Because we all coming up. Yeah, we are. You know, pretty soon we all have our own billboard. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So as we get ready to wrap up, you are on the Fearless Fridays podcast. So what does fearless living mean to you? And how are you living a fearless life? It means be real. Don't be ashamed to be who you are. Live every day. You know what? Not everybody's going to like you. Eat by carajo. That's okay. Be who you are. Be authentic and love it. Um, for those who feel that you need to improve on yourself, be like Nike and just do it. Okay. So please, please give yourself the credit to where you are. Don't, don't keep focusing on where you've been, focus on where you are and all the challenges that you've overcome to be where you are, because being fearless is just the beginning. Yay. Awesome. So last question, what's next for you? What are you working on? I do meal right now. I am building my business, Perfection Translation, um, which is a document translation, notary, and immigration consulting firm. Um, So right now I'm a business of one, uh, LLC. Uh, Hopeful that in the next two years, minimum, I will be expanding to have a bigger and become accredited for the UCIS for immigration so I can continue to support our, you know, Latino community as, you know, we see these refugees and asylees coming into the country. I do love my work with Casa of Rochester, New York. I do intend on pursuing that deeply, um, you know, and it's a new adventure with Western New York Coalition, which I know you're the board member of. So I'm very excited to join the team there with Irene and the rest of the crew. Um, and of course, to stay connected to my LLDP community and my class is 2023. You know, I know Ricky, Ricky's house is always a, a welcome center. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> definitely that. Um, but a big shout out to my team because again my LLDP class is because of every single one of you that I think I can achieve much more. So thank you all. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure, Mary, and you're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Fridays with Marianne podcast. Make sure to stay connected with us and you can find us on Facebook at MRD Empowerment Solutions or on Instagram as Marianne Rivera Danert. You can also visit our website at MarianneRiveraDanert.com. As always, you are fearless, you are fabulous, you are a priority, and you matter.